That wee song that we sang uh, about the glory of God being in this place. That's our heart cry. Heart cry is not about performance, it's not about articulation, it's not about anything else except God. We want to see the heart of God revealed in here this morning, amen? We just want to see something of the heart of God, to hear the voice of God, that we might know that we have seen his glory. The disciples, and when they were in despair, and they locked the doors for fear of the Jews, and Jesus himself drew near in their midst and said, Peace be to you. And I just feel this morning that God wants to say to you this morning, be at peace. <laughs> I believe there are hearts in here this morning that are a wee bit fluttering and a wee bit, uh, uh, you know, you, 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 because of the circumstances of life, Jesus comes and says, peace. Not the peace the world gives, because we know what kind of peace that is. But my peace, my very own peace, I give to you. Did you receive that this morning? It's not what I want to talk about, but I just believe God is saying, I want you to receive that peace this morning. I want to turn to Isaiah 6 this morning. I've got three words on my mind this morning. If you're, if you're a Facebook reader, you already know what they are. Joe knows what they are, because she's liked my Facebook. <laughs> Joe knows what they are this morning, but ten past nine this morning. In fact, it was nine minutes past nine. Oh, nine, oh, nine. I don't know if there's any significance in that this morning. But at oh, nine, oh, nine this morning, when I was sitting and praying at my desk, these three words came I believe by the Holy Spirit. And the three words are these this morning. We're going to build as the Holy Spirit leads us because I have no idea where this is going this morning. Last week I spoke in Wishaw and when I stood up to speak in Wishaw last week I was wrecked in the Holy Spirit. I really was because the, the praise and the worship and the, uh, the prophetic word had come and I was standing up expected to speak. <laughs> but it was a powerful morning because God was there. And I want you to experience that this morning. Graham, I believe you're entering a new chapter. I really believe that God is, is saying to you this morning that you are about to enter into a new chapter in your life. You've been taking steps towards it. But I believe that God is saying it's now time for you to step into it in all its fullness it's not the plans and purposes that God has for you but it's a change in how you say that that God I'm here I want to fit into your plans and your purposes and I believe there's a, that, that I can sense a change I, I, even as you led the, led the service this morning that I, I just felt there's a change starting to come in to your spirit and I would ask you in the name of Jesus to continue on that, on that journey. 
Because God's going to take you into places that you never thought that you could go. And I believe God's going to open up doors for you that you thought could never open up. And I believe that God is going to show you uh, in advance what his plans and purposes are. And I think that's exciting. <laughs> I really think that's exciting. So Graham, I just, uh, I just give you that word this morning. You can test it yourself. But I believe that God uh, uh, is speaking this morning. Father, I just pray that into Graham's life. I just pray that whatever you are doing in his life at this moment, that Graham will just open up his heart and his, his mind and everything to the things that you want to show him and the things you want to do in him and through him, uh, not only in his own life and his family's life, but in the fellowship life here, that we might see the glory of God being uh, experienced and that it doesn't just stay within these walls. See, we don't want things to stay within these walls. We want them to roll out into the community. Amen. That if we see the glory of God, we want them to see something or to feel something of that same glory. Amen. And so I just pray that in, in your life this morning, Graham, in the name of Jesus. I believe we're standing on the cusp of something. I believe we're almost at that uh, the division that John speaks about in the book of Revelation. I believe we're standing at the end of the things which are. And we're not far from entering into the things that are yet to come. See, I believe we're standing at the end of this age. I believe we're standing at the end of this age and I believe that the signs in the world are all pointing to it. That this world cannot continue as it is at the moment without the intervention of our God. Amen. And I believe we are standing on that cusp. And I don't know about you this morning, but I, I get excited about that. I don't get downhearted about it. I get excited that, God, you've allowed my life to be lived in this exciting time where I believe you're going to come and we're going to see something of the power of God that we've always read about and we've thought about and we want it. But I believe we are going to see it. Amen? Come on, get excited. Who wants to see the power of God being manifested in our own lives and our in our fellowship lives and out in our community. This, this community needs to see and experience the power of God. But it won't experience it unless we experience it. Because we are the purveyors, we are the, the men and women, we are the church, the body of Christ that is able to transfer that out from, from the glory into our lives, into our fellowships and out into the community. Because I believe we are ready to take in the end time harvest. I believe it's there. Jesus says the harvest is ready but the workers are few. And over these past six, eight weeks, I've been preaching nothing else but the end time harvest and the battle for it. Because I believe that it is such an important message that the church, the fellowships, the ecclesia, saying to Graham this morning, we need to drop this word church. Because it's given the wrong idea. And it looks as if church is a building, we're going to church. You don't go to church. You are the church. <laughs> you know, you are the called out ones. You are the ecclesia of God. Wow. And see, we've got into a way of thinking that church is a place we go. Church is not a place we go. Church is what we are. And we are the called out ecclesia 
of God. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that wonderful to think that you and I are part of, of something that God has called out? What was my three words? started to tell them, but uh, I got a wee bit sidetracked. <laughs> because I do believe we're standing on that cusp. And this is a time where Christians have got to grasp the metal and say, yeah, it's all for Jesus. It's all my life and all my plans and all my purposes. It's all for Jesus that we see the end time harvest being brought in. Three words this morning that stirred my spirit. And the first one, of course, is stirred. <laughs> I love when God stirs me. There's many times in my life where God has stirred me. I can get stirred reading the word of God, especially reading about the, the early church. That stirs me. J.B. Phillips, now, the older ones amongst us will remember when J.B. Phillips brought out his, 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 uh, his translations of the New Testament. I was of a persuasion at that time that didn't agree with, with his translations. I fully agree with them now. And his book was this, his first book was the Acts of the Puzzles, and it was called this, Young Church in Action. Wow, if that doesn't disturb you, the Young Church in Action. You see, the church, the ecclesia, the called out one, was a body of people who were called to action. Not to, not to services, but to service. You know, we have got so caught up in services rather than service. And the called out ecclesia of God is a people ready for service, amen? Ready for action. You're God's action man and action woman. Because he hasn't got anywhere else to enact out his purposes here on earth except you and except me. Stirred. Well, look at that. My next uh, word that I believe the Holy Spirit gave me was disturbed. You know, I can be stirred about what I'm seeing and what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, but I start to become disturbed because it's not my experience. It's not the experience of the, the, the church in general. Don't ask me if you're general, as I haven't got directions to it, but you know what I mean. The church in general. I don't see what I'm reading being worked out. I don't see what I'm, I'm reading being experienced and, being, uh, and seeing all that God has said in his word here that I should experience as a called out body of Christ. And my final word this morning was, uh, it was uh, stirred, it was disturbed, and the last word was determined. Because if I'm not experiencing it, I'm going to be determined that I want to see it. Yeah, amen. Who wants to be determined this morning to see what we read about in this book being a, an everyday part of our lives and to see the end time harvest being brought in. I remember, and we will come to Isaiah chapter 6 because I think it brings out these three words quite beautifully. I'm going to tell you a story. Jenny will say, Bert, I've heard it before. <laughs> You know how Jenny speaks to me at times. But I've heard this story before. But I believe it's so apt this morning that I'm going to repeat it. <laughs> and if I get it wrong, Jenny, I'll tell me where. Well, she'll look and shout it out, but she'll tell me after uh, where I got it wrong. 
We're really praying for Jenny's voice to come back. Amen. That is our, our focus up here. We've seen the actual surgeon on Friday and he made two statements. He said that uh, he can't do anything else now. It is a matter of time of when it comes back and if it comes back. We are not re- accepting the if, okay? We're not accepting the if, we are, accept- we are accepting the when. And I'm really praying, and we're praying, and I, I know you guys are praying. And if you want to pray in specific things, I want you to pray that the when comes very soon. That Jenny will be able to swallow and able to speak and uh, able to share uh, in the things that, I, that I'm uh, involved with. I miss Jenny being at my side a lot of times because Jenny's my earthen rod. You know, <laughs> I can get so high at times, but Jenny just brings me right back down to her. But stirred, disturbed. What was the third one? Determined. Oh, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Determined to see. Oh, I've got to tell your story. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so let's get back to the story, okay? I'm just going with the where the Spirit wants to take us this morning. I'm not, I've not got any, any, any sermon this morning. But I believe that God wants to reveal something to you to get you stirred this morning. And I, I want you to go out here disturbed this morning, but determined that you want to see. I remember up in, in, in Stornoway, in a wee village called Arnold, which sits up on the, on the north-west uh, of uh, of Lewis it was where God broke through in almighty power where what you were praying for this morning was a, was a reality that the glory of God just fell on communities where people were getting saved lying on the street without a gospel preacher in fact there was a load was in the butcher's van going to one of the, or the meetings either, either in Barvis or Arnold and it broke down on the road to the meeting and I think there were about 12 in the, in, in the butcher's van but by the time they got to the meeting they were all saved <laughs> Amen. isn't that what we want to experience it's the glory of God and the righteousness of God just in the holiness of God just falling in communities that people know that they're standing before a righteous and holy God and they have to make right their lives through the blood of Jesus and uh, it was interesting they all took place in a butcher's van where there'd be plenty of blood probably lying all around but uh, couldn't have saved them except the blood of Jesus. But that's not my story. <laughs> and I remember when I did, uh, when I was doing correcting Scotland, we ended up in, uh, in, in Barbas. None of the, or the other churches would really have any, anything to do with, with correcting Scotland in Stornoway. Uh, they didn't like uh, the fact that I had I had a cross that uh, I was uh, I was carrying around Scotland, and that kind of put them off. Another reason that, that they were put off, I got a ferry on a Sunday, <laughs> and that really that really shut some doors for me in, in the islands because not in in, uh, in US or that, but in in Stornoway especially, because I. I had to get a ferry from Oban on the on the Sunday afternoon uh, in order to continue going around Scotland. And I was up in in in, in Arnold, and uh, Jean Black had told me because she, that was the part of the of the journey that Jean couldn't go with me at that time. And I had other members of the team, and we're in Arnold, and I said to uh, to uh, the guy, his name just eludes me just now. 
But his father, if you've read anything about the Lewis revivals, his father was the young man who prayed in the barn about reminding God about pouring water and dry prayer. It was his dad that, that prayed that prayer. And so I said to him, I said, I would love to, to meet this old lady called uh, <laughs> Kirsty Maggie. I can hear you, Jerry. <laughs> I wanted to meet this, this woman called Kirsty Maggie. Now, is it okay if I walk away, behind, away for this just now? I feel my voice getting echoed back into my ear there. And uh, so I asked, uh, uh, is it Peter, I think his name was, if, if that comes back. I said, Peter, I would love to meet this old lady called Kirsten Maggie. He says, she's 84 now. He says, and she's, uh, she, but she just stays across the street. That's her house across there. I said, I would love to meet her. He said, I'll go across and ask her if she can come across. He went across, came back, he said, she'll see two years. You've heard this story, I know you, but it works in with where I am this morning. And so I went across into her house, and I want to tell you, it was like walking into the very throne room of God. The presence of God was, was tangible, you could touch it. And here was this old lady, and she sat in, in, in the middle of her room, and this was a fireplace, I can see it here. I sat here, and Kate, who was another member of the team, sat there. And she sat there like the queen on the throne. Such a regal old lady. And after the pleasantries and that, I, I, I asked her how she got saved because she was saved under Duncan Campbell uh, in the Lewis revivals and I could see her eyes rolling back as she recalled to me the story of her salvation it wasn't an easy journey she escaped to Edinburgh to get away from the revival she didn't want anything to do with that and she was a nurse so she went down to do an extra year's training or that in Edinburgh and she came back uh, and the Holy Spirit still chased her and she came to know Jesus Christ as her saviour not at a meeting but in a room in a room and so she's actually telling me this story and I can see her, the joy of all that had happened in her life was actually flowing out her story. And then I said to her, I asked her a question and I said to her, Kirsty Maggie, could you tell me what it was like to be alive at a time when the glory of God was falling on a community? How did it feel like to live amongst a community that was saturated with the presence of God that was a phrase that Duncan Campbell used he found a community saturated with the presence of God I said Kirsten Maggie how did that feel uh, I, I would just like to know how in the midst of it how you could put that into words and how you could feel and she looked at me and she said well son she says and, uh, and I want to tell you she tried about five times and then she says, son, I can't tell you. Because I haven't got words to describe what it is to live in that sort of atmosphere. Wow. You see, when I was hearing her story, I was stirred. And then I became disturbed. But then when I left that woman's house, I became determined that I would leave no stone unturned until I could experience something which that lady could depict in her words. Amen? And that's what I want to try and bring to you this morning. You might have come in here just another sort of Sunday morning, the same as Isaiah went into the temple just as, as a normal occasion, but it was different that day. It was different for, 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 Isaiah, for Isaiah that day. 
Because when he stepped into the temple that day, he never expected to see what he saw. He never expected to, to be called of God. He never expected to say, Here am I, Lord, send me. That was the, 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 that was the least of, of his concerns that day. But he was in the place where God could speak to him if God wanted to speak to him. See, it's good to be in the place, that place of expectation. I was saying to Graham, I was praying last night. Uh, of all places, I was praying in the bath last night. <laughs> Don't picture it. <laughs> but I was praying in the bath last night. And this is what I prayed. God, would you give the people of Buddhism dreams or, or, or visions? Or, or would, you, would you stir them overnight? So that when they come this morning, they know that they want to ex- receive and expect a visitation from you. Amen? Because if we don't expect that, why come? Why do we come if we don't expect to, to see something of the glory and the majesty and experience something of the power of our God? Because we're part of something. We're part of something that the world has no answer to. And we're part of an army. I love that last week's song there, you know, Oh, Hail the Lamb. You know, because we have a battle cry because we are a raised up army of God that no army on earth can ever defeat. They've tried it. And we're still here. And we're still going on. And we're still excited. And we're still getting stirred. But I'm still disturbed that what I'm reading here, I'm not experiencing it out there in the wider church and I'm going to ask you this morning are you, are you want to get stirred this morning and sometimes it's re-stirred maybe you want to get re-stirred maybe you have been stirred I'm sure you have been but wouldn't it wonderful if you went out there this morning really stirred really excited I'm part of God's last time army I'm part of the last time ecclesia of God you might be the very last generation that does preach the gospel because the way that things are going the speed that things are accelerating in this world uh, you might be the last generation that stands up and preaches the gospel and we have the freedom to do it you know the places that the gospel is preached the most perfectly is in the places where they haven't got permission to do it and they lay their lives on the the block in order to preach the gospel in the time that I've been speaking there's probably been uh, men and women who have already laid down their lives for the gospel Because it's gripped them. They know it's the power of God unto salvation. They know that they are the carriers of the good news. They are the sent ones from God. They are the sent ones from Jesus. And they believe that they are the only ones that can make a difference in in their communities. No matter how much they are restricted and put underground and whatnot. They know 
who they are in Christ and the message that they have from Christ in order to change the circumstances. Come on, folks. We want to be changers of the world's circumstances. Amen? And they do it at the risk of their lives. And yet we have all the freedom in Scotland here. I want to tell you, it may not last that long. Your freedom to preach the gospel in Scotland might not last that long. I want to say, God, that might be a good thing. Because under persecution, then you say, your faith becomes real. Your faith becomes real. And you know that you're a carrier of something that can change a nation. The Bible asks the question, can a nation be changed in a day? Yes, it can. Because we serve a God who is able. Amen. Come on, let's say it. Our God is able. We'll get to Isaiah 6. (laughs) But I just feel that, I just want to get stirred this morning, that there is something stirring. Jim Graham, I don't know if you've ever read any or or heard Jim Graham. Any of you here have heard Jim Graham? Go to Baptist Church. You heard Jim. You know the you know the man that he is, Scotsman. He he wrote a book that's not in print any longer. He wrote a book and it's 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 a great book. I love the title. I sometimes buy books just for the title. (laughs) You know, and the title is when the giant awakens. When the giant. Awakens. Have you read that book? You can get it on Amazon, I think, for a penny. But it'll be, it'll be, it'll be an old, old copy. But it's worth going on Amazon and buying Jim Graham's book, When the Giant Awakens. Because Jim Graham knew that God was starting to, to stir his people but it looked as if this giant of this world was chained to church walls, was chained to religion, was chained and it was unable to do the things that God was calling it to do. And Jim Graham felt that there was a stirring within God's people, that they no longer wanted to be chained behind walls, they no longer wanted to be chained to, to religion, they wanted the freshness and the excitement that comes by serving a living saviour. I hope you're excited this morning about serving a loving saviour. That he's alive. And he's asked us to carry out his instructions. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching all the things that I've taught you. And lo, I'll be with you. You know, we're not alone and lo, I'll be with you. Until the end of the age. Go, go, go. I was preaching this at a men's breakfast one morning, and uh, a church leader came up to me and he started to tear strips off me. I'm always wary when folk come up to me at the end of a meeting and you see their faces. <laughs> and he really started to, to tear and the sad thing was I got sucked into it because normally I just walk away from that I don't get involved in, in, in arguments or whatnot. but he actually sucked me in because he was saying that the, 
the, the, the days for God moving in almighty power and to see revival coming are not going to happen. And it's just going to be the ones and twos that are going to get saved until Jesus comes. I said, no! I said, tell me, when, when was the Great Commission rescinded? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you tell me what day it was that the Great Commission was rescinded, it was withdrawn, and therefore our, our message was not to go and disciple nations. Well, it doesn't mean that. I said, well, that's what it says. You see, because we don't see it happening, our expectations get diminished. I was up a, a, a persuasion where, where we invented doctrines to help us to understand why we weren't seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And they came to the conclusion that the, these days were past. I want to tell you they're not past. The message that God gave to the church through Paul is still in vogue today. Amen? Why would they have the advantage over us? <laughs> Because Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that. And he's still building his church. And he's still the same Jesus. And he's still, it's still the same Holy Spirit. And it's still the same word of God. We cannot take bits of the Bible that we want and say, well, that was for yesterday and this is for today. That was for the early church and it's not for the end time church. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible gives the message of God to the churches, to the called out ecclesia, until the day we were called home. Wow, we need to expect. Don't build your life on what you see, but build your life on what God is saying can happen. And that makes such a difference. Let's go to Isaiah 6, because uh, what time is it? Let's go very briefly, Isaiah 6, if I can find it. Where I just, uh, as I say, I just believe God wanted me to share something of his heart this morning. And uh, I'm stirred this morning. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm stirred this morning because I believe that we're standing on the cusp of something that God wants us to do. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. Now if you want to read about King Uzziah, you've got to go back into, into, into Second Chronicles chapter 26 to read about Uzziah. But Isaiah had already been called as a prophet. Isaiah had already been speaking in the first five chapters of the book of Isaiah. But God had to reposition them. Because the nation in which he lived, on the outward appearance, it looked as if it was a prosperous nation. But when you looked a wee bit deeper, because of the pride of the king, he was a good king. He did so many wonderful things for, for God's people, but pride got in the way. And that was his downfall. And he tried to do things that wasn't in his calling. He tried to do things that he had no right to try and do. Offer incense and all these. He tried to do these things. And because he stepped out of the plans and purposes of God, he, he brought a people into a, a place where it looked as if they were prosperous, but their hearts were far from God. God was about to take them into captivity. God was moving that as he was going to take them into, into captivity because of the coldness of their heart. We've got to make sure that we, that we, uh, we live in the power of what we preach. 
We live in the power of what? Not, uh, uh, not to, I'm trying to remember that verse and I can't remember it. Uh, where, Paul, where Paul writes, I think it's to Timothy. It might not even be to Timothy. Where, where we've, we've got to live in the power of the thing. Not just in the appearance of the thing. We've got to live in the power of the thing. Form of godliness, but denying the power. We don't want a form of godliness. Come on, amen? Amen? We do not want a form of godliness. We're sick of forms of godliness. We want to see the power of God moving in our midst. Amen? Come on. You can jump up and down this morning if you want. Get stirred this morning. Because I believe that God's on the, on the verge of doing with a people who want to see him moving. He wants you to agree, God, yeah, I want to see that. I'm disturbed because I'm not seeing that. I'm stirred because I know it can happen, but I'm disturbed because it's not happening. And so Isaiah is standing and he's already had a call of God. And maybe you've had a call of God in your life and maybe you've fulfilled that calling. But maybe God's got a new call in your life this morning. Maybe once God has brought you here this morning so that he can reposition you in a, to a place where you receive a fresh understanding of the plans and purposes that God has for you. How exciting is that? That the almighty God of heaven is able to come down and speak to one individual because he he has a plan and purpose to work out in that man's life. Now it doesn't matter the state of the nation. See God is not interested really at this moment in time. He's interested in the state of his people. Because the state of his people can change the state of a nation. And so God is interested in this morning, not in the state of the nation, but he's interested in the state of the people. The state of the people who don't want to see a form of godliness, but want to experience the power of God in their lives. And so Isaiah comes into to, to the temple that morning, and he sees the glory of God. What did you expect to receive this morning? But now you're here. And God's stirring. And he wants to reveal to you something. Of who he is. So that we get stirred about the God that we serve. Come on. He wants to stir you about who he is. He's the only powerful God. He's the only God. He's the God of all grace and mercy and power and majesty and sovereignty. And he wants to tell you that he's calling you this morning. He wants to show himself to you this morning. That you might get stirred up that I and the I'm in the army of the Lord. He used to sing that with the children. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his robe filled the temple. You know who Isaiah really saw that morning? I've got scripture to back it up. Okay, I wouldn't say anything without scripture to back it up. Isaiah was looking at the pre-incarnate glory of the Son of God. That's what Isaiah saw. Jesus himself. If you want to take a note and look up when you get home, John chapter 12, verse 38 to 41. Jesus tells us that Isaiah saw him. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? You see... Isaiah was allowed to see something of the pre-incarnate glory of the Son of God. Because he had glory. He says that in John chapter 17, that I want to share with you the glory I had with the Father before time began. I had that glory with the Father. He's the leader of the Lord's army. He's, he's the man that came 
Is that a theophany you call it? When he stood beside uh, Joshua looking over, over Jericho, when he came to different people, it was the pre-incarnate. I've got to say Jesus, but it wasn't because he wasn't Jesus then. <laughs> he was the Son of God, and Isaiah is seeing something with the majesty of our Saviour. The one who left that behind. You see, when, when, when you think of the glory that Isaiah was seeing, Jesus laid that aside in order to come down and into the world so that he might die for your sins and for mine. And that makes it, wow! Down from the glory, wonderful story. You know? And that's who Isaiah saw. I saw the Lord, I saw the pre-incarnate Son of God high and lifted up in his robe, filled the temple, and I was struck by the by the glory of God, by the vision that I saw. And the seraphs are the seraphims, the burning ones, they were crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I want to tell you that stirred Isaiah. Imagine getting a, a vision like that, that stirred Isaiah. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Come on, God, we want to experience something. Well, that, they experienced up in Lewis when the doors and the walls of the house shook. I could take to the house, it's derelict now. But that house shook under the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And here Isaiah has experienced something of the same thing. The place is filled with smoke. And then he became disturbed. Because if you see something of the majesty and the glory and the wonder and the beauty of God, you then get a proper assessment of who you are. <laughs> you know, you might think yourself high and mighty and lifted up, but when you stand in the presence of God, the God of glory, you get a true assessment of who you are. And it doesn't do us any harm to be in that presence of God every day of our lives in order that we get a true assessment of ourselves. And he becomes disturbed and he says, woe is me. You know, in modern terms, if any of these big evangelists had seen this, they would just say, whoa, they would say, wow. <laughs> but Isaiah said, whoa, because he was getting a true assessment of who he was. And God wants to give us a true assessment of who we are this morning in relation to who he is. So that we, he sends us out, not in our own might, and not in our own greatness, but in the greatness that he wants to to bestow upon us this morning and so he says woe is me I won't go down it through that and then uh, the grace of God comes and it touches him and his sins are cleansed and is free from all the sin that's the grace and glory of God this morning doesn't matter where you are this morning God wants to touch you again this morning to tell you you're clean Come on, God wants to tell you this morning, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what you're looking at or what you're saying, He wants to tell you if you're under the blood of Jesus, you're clean this morning. And He took that, that coal when He came and He put it on the lips of Isaiah. Because Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a nation of unclean lips. And God sent one of the, one of the seraphs to, to take that coal from off the altar and to touch the lips. Your sin has been taken away and your sin is atoned for. Amen this morning. Come on, amen. amen. Come on, amen this morning. Your sin has been atoned for by the blood of Jesus. After he was stirred and after he was disturbed, there was a determination come into Isaiah and he heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us? Us being the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I'm not going to do it this morning because I don't feel it's appropriate, but last week there was all empty chairs, so I brought the empty chairs out to the front and I asked people if, they, if, if the message was actually touching them, I want you to get up out of your seat and come and just sit in one of these seats with your back to the audience. And before long there wasn't enough seats, so I said, just bring your own seat. <laughs> and we had an amazing time just ministering into these people's lives. God gave us a prophetic word for them and, 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 and all that. But they were answering the call of God. Whom shall I send? We're standing on the cusp of ending the things that are and moving into the things that are yet to come when it will be too late to go and too late to preach and too late to show the gospel. We need to get back to being a gospel ecclesia because that's what we've been told to do. I want to tell you something, and you can challenge me after it anyway. We're never called to church plant. I hear there's so many books written about planting churches and planting this. We're never told to plant churches. We're told to go and make disciples. That's a big difference, see? We're, go, we're told to go and make disciples. And where there's clusters of, of disciples, then that becomes an ecclesia. They meet together. And I hear people saying, Paul was the greatest church. Paul was never a church planter. He was a disciple maker. And I can prove that from the next, but I've not got time. Listen, we need to learn how to make disciples. And you make disciples not when they come to faith by, by taking them through a book. or by t- you, you show them how to do it by your own action. You see, that's what the, the early disciples of Jesus were taught. They watched them. Jesus will be watching you praying. How do we pray? He says, well, this is how you do it. He showed them. We need to be a people who show other people how to do it. Because it's real in our lives. Reading the word, praying, discerning the will of God, doing all these different things. Don't give them a book or new converts. We've got to show them how it's done. So who will go? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I was singing that song coming through in the car. I was actually singing it in the middle of the night too and uh, I woke up this morning, I don't know if you are people that do that, but uh, I've, I've been bubbling in tongues all morning because it's just, it's just a prayer language that God's given me. And I, and, and, and I woke up actually, actually praying in tongues, and for about two hours it just continued because I believe God was, I, I didn't know what to preach this morning, God was, was, and the Holy Spirit says, when you can't do it, I'll, I'll pray for you. You see, we've got to accept what's in the New Testament, and I'm not going to go into that this morning. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And as the call went out to Isaiah in that day, I believe the call is going out afresh this morning. There's 300 and... I can't remember the exact figure, but did just say there's 300 and 300,500 folks in North Lanarkshire. They give or take a, a, a hundred or two or a thousand I meant to bring all the information from them. But there's 300,500 souls out there just in North Lanarkshire. If Jesus came today and, and the, the things which are came to an end and the things which are to come were brought into being, at a, great, at, a, at, a, 
a conservative estimate in Scotland there would possibly be up to 10% born again Christians now there are 600, that means I think the, the population of Scotland has got up to about, about, uh, about 6 million now it's not far off 6 million now so you take say on a conservative estimate you take in this generation you take 10% of that that's 600,000 oh that will be glory for me and it will be glory for me glory for me when at my saviour I see that will be glory be glory for me 600,000 5.2 million will never see the saviour like that that's sobering isn't that sobering? Isn't that sobering? And is there 300 and say 300,500 in North Lanarkshire? We'll take the 10% again from that. Well, I need, I need Graham here for that one. About 300,000, say? About 10%, about 300,000? About 30,000. That will be glory. Glory for me. But 90% of North Lanarkshire will never see the Saviour that you and I are going to see. Is that a challenge this morning? We can't do anything about the past generation. They're gone. But we can do something about this generation. And I believe God is calling his ecclesia together. Not, not just individual uh, fellowship, but he's calling the ecclesia together in, in, in a geographical area in order to take the gospel out to the people for the last time. We do wonderful standing in glory. And instead of 30,000 from North Lanarkshire, there's 300,000 from North Lanarkshire because you answered the call of God now to go and take the message to the nation. Amen? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Isaiah said immediately, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And that call still rings out this morning. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And the answer you give could determine souls in North Lanarkshire being brought into the kingdom of God before we change from the things that are to the things that are yet to be for his glory and to see his kingdom come and to see souls saved and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God Here I am, Lord. Send me.